Awesome being here with you, Miranda Elliott. Um, we are at the University of Virginia. We are inside of the Clement Library. Um, this is, I believe, a, a part of a former slave plantation. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, just for a little background, it was, I think, uh, Thomas Jefferson started building this university in like 1817, and that was completed by 1819. I think between like 1819 and like I guess the end of the Civil War, something crazy, like 5,000 like slaves during that time had worked or had been like contracted out to work at the university, so. So, uh, as nice as it is to meet you, uh, you are NCC co-chair of the YDSA, mm -hmm. and you are leader of the largest YDSA chapter in the country. Yeah, so I was chair from, for, from YDSA at UVA between, I believe it was December 2019 to about May of this year. So, and then that's when I ran for NCC co-chair of YDSA's National Coordinating Committee. That's awesome. And of course you won. Congratulations. Thank you. That is awesome. That's incredibly cool. Um, so tell me a bit of what that organizing has been like here, um, especially over the last year. I know that, um, especially reading your uh, petition from earlier, um, you, you all, it seems, are organizing against UVA's lackluster response to COVID, is that mm -hmm. right? Yeah, so um, in March of 2020, when we were basically like told to go home, um, we just noticed like it was very quickly that, you know, I think no one expected COVID, right? But I think that it was like from a major research university that has like, a, I think at the time it was like a $10 billion endowment. It was like very quickly we all realized how kind of inadequately and like really inequitably um, the university was responding to COVID-19. Um, a lot of students were like, again, like dorms especially, like people were like, being kicked out of dorms. And it's like a lot of people, of course, like don't have like, you know, this is like a, their main kind of, I guess, sorry, I'm trying to think of the word. Um, like for a lot of people, just like home life tends to not be great. And so like dorms and like, that's like stability is really important to students. Um, so that was an issue that we noticed. Um, and then there's just like also workers who are like, we're, a lot of people were like concerned about workers. There's a lot of layoffs. Um, so yeah, we were just trying to respond to like all that very quickly. Yeah. And, and I mean, I imagine, especially, I mean, VCU, VCU, UVA um, Medical School, uh, Medical, Medical Center in Virginia and UVA go back and forth all the time in mm -hmm. terms of the best medical school in Virginia. Um, and yeah, it is. It, it was it was very shocking last year to watch how VCU had uh, handled that situation. I mean, they had in essence just emptied the dorms. Mm -hmm. That's really outrageous. A lot of like international students too were like, um, "What do like? What am I like? What do I do?" Um, and at the same time, you had the the Trump administration saying that uh, at the same time that if kids had decided to leave, that they couldn't come back yeah. to the country. So I mean, that was uh, yeah, that was incredible at the time to watch. So what was your response? Um, or at least what was the response of UVA last year to you all's organizing? So it's really interesting. So UVA tends to like not really give student organizers like credit when like demands are released and we do organizing around it. Like they tend not to like, you know, be like, this is the reason why, even though it's like clearly when 
students organized together like clearly like we had a like a large impact like we ran um in the spring it was called a COVID-19 like action response and it was like a group of like students student organizers from like all the different kind of like leftist organizations at the university we staged like a walkout which like a virtual walkout which was really interesting um to watch and we had a list of demands that kind of covered every aspect of like again safety students workers um so yeah and that was in response to actually in february of 2021 um the university allowed in-person like Greek life um, rushing basically and so like we remember during rush week we saw like people like a bunch of people like gathering in houses like doing things like bid day in person again like 40 50 people in person like obviously not wearing masks um you know this is, party. This is February this year Yes. This, this is before the main. This is before the main rollout of vaccines. So, yes. Yes. Okay. So this is before. Yeah. This is before ARPA, guys. This is before ARPA <laughs> and the rollout of the vaccines nationally. This is what UVA, a medical university, was up to. Mm-hmm. And then there was like, I believe that there was a email that was like leaked from the dean of students at the time, Dean Groves, and he was basically like corresponding back and forth with the people that was head of the. Um, the fraternities at the university, um, at least the like historically like white ones, um, a lot of the you know historically black and Latinx um, frats and sororities were like not doing any in person events because they're like slow pandemic. But of course, a lot of like the historically white ones um, were doing in person rushing events and things of that nature. Um, so he was corresponding with you know the leaders of that group and was like, you know, like the university knew what was going on, basically. Um, and it was just really jarring to kind of see. Yeah, yeah. And and the thing is, so what do you think their motivation was in doing that? Do you think, I mean, because I, I guess once you get past February, um, I'm, I'm guessing that you the semester's already started at that point. Mm-hmm. So uh, to open up those, uh, essentially those rush houses, I mean, I, I just don't see really the reason as to why. I mean, outside of just to to, to sort of make it be normal mm-hmm. that that everything is back to normal and everything is fine, um, you know, while risking a lot of people's lives. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's incredible to me. Yeah, and so I think a lot of like alumni, a lot of people that are donors, like were both frankly like members of these frats and stories at certain points. Um, so I think there's probably like pressure from like get certain alumni, donors, to basically allow this to happen. Because it is like, UVA, I feel like a lot of Southern schools are kind of like this, like they're very big into like tradition, and especially when it comes to like Greek life type of thing. So I think that was really the main reason why, but also like that kind of like, I like I think that it, it was across the country that, you know, everyone was like kind of in a rush to return again back to normal during a pandemic. Um, so I think it was like a couple, like a couple of those factors. Cool, cool. So Chief Longo, mm-hmm. tell me about University of Virginia Police Department. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me about his relationship with University of Virginia Police Department, mm-hmm. and then we'll go into your and YDSA's interactions with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just to kind of give a little bit of background, um, at a certain point, I believe it was before the 2017 
um, like A11, A12 events. So I think it was like between, I want to say the early 2000s, he was also police chief of the Charlottesville Police Department. During that time, he did a DNA dragnet of 100 plus black men in the community. Um, so that was really jarring. And then also he, you know, testified and like basically in defense out of the officers that killed Freddie Gray. Um, he was like a paid consultant, I believe, in that case. And he basically was just like, the action was justified that the police officers used. And of course, before that, he was with the Baltimore Police Department for I think about 20 to 30 years. So that's kind of like just about his background a little bit. And then right now he is the uh, police chief for um, the University Police Department and also slash like vice president of like safety and security for the entire university. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so uh, tell me a bit about the University of Virginia Police mm -hmm. and their interactions with black and brown people here. Mm -hmm. Well, something that we noticed like during the, especially during the pandemic, like in kind of the early stages of it, was that a lot of students, because we also have these things called like ambassadors, which are technically through the police department, but they're not like, they don't wear like guns. Um, they're just basically kind of there to like, keep an eye on things. And if like students like, say if there was an incident on the corner where like all the bars are near the university, um, or if there's an incident on grounds, lots of times they'll be there to be able to like actually call the police. Um, so we noticed that a lot of the ambassadors were really, especially like getting on black and brown students' cases about like wearing masks and social distancing. And, you know, of course students were like, okay, why aren't you, like, why are you saying this to me? Like, why aren't you saying it to the other people that are clearly white and also like doing the same things I'm doing. Um, so that was one thing um, that was really, again, jarring to kind of watch just like in real time at the university during COVID. Um, also, just in general, like I talked about this a little bit in the letter, but, um, you know, there's, especially for a lot of student organizers, like there were student organizers that are arrested, I believe in 2006 and 2017 um, at the university, like on grounds because of basically their like leftist organizing. Um, so yeah, again, they've just been kind of known to, also they don't handle mental health crises as well. Um, like we we've heard stories of students kind of having you know mental um, like kind of emergencies and police like showing up to the doors of these students and of course like making it worse. Um, so yeah, that's just a little bit about UPG. Yeah, yeah. Whenever you call nine one one, police roll up with all the wrong attitude. Right. Exactly. Yeah, it, it's it's awful. And so yeah, and I did read your letter, and it's it's really moving. Um, I mean, the, the the fact that you all are are, are essentially in you, you all are students um, and engaging in political organizing here on campus, and to have police uh, visit you. Uh, can you tell me about that day? Walk me through it. Yeah, so it was actually like kind of like a series of events. Um, so first, I believe it was in May or June. Um, a police officer called me on my cell phone and he's basically like, I would like, this was a voice message I didn't pick up, um, but a voice message and he was like, you know, we would like to ask you questions about YDSA. Um, and so I didn't return that call. Hello, I'm trying to reach Sarandon. Uh, I apologize if I, if I did not get that right. 
My name's Lieutenant Blakey with UVA Police. And just to let you know everything's okay, I just had a, a few questions in reference to the YDSA and was hoping that you might be able to answer them for me. Uh, if you would please give me a call back at 434. Thank you. In the beginning of the year, we have a student activities fair um, that the student council puts on here at the university. And it's again for students to you know, see all the different clubs at the university and see what like the university has to offer. Um, and two women who were a part, who are a part of UPD, they are like diversity and inclusion people for the university, um, or like for the university police department, which is like in itself just like really ironic, like to have something called diversity and inclusion like in a police department. Um, <laughs> oh, oh, liberals. Yeah. Oh, love you, Virginia Democrats. <laughs> you guys are the best. And so they, yeah, they came to the YDSA like station at the activities fair and asked to speak with me and also the rest of the central committee, which is like the leadership body of YDSA. Um, and I called one of the women that came to the table that day. I called her because she's also a recent alumni and I was just like, you know, we have absolutely no intention to speak to UPD. Um, again, YDSA, DSA is you know, we do a lot of abolition work across the country and, you know, there's also been really like great work that DSA and YDSA has put on across the country um, for defunding police departments. Um, so again, I was just like, look, this is a national kind of priority. And also it's my priority as a leader in this organization to make sure that people in YDSA feel comfortable and, space, and safe. Um, and again, if we're talking to UPD, um, you know, I think that would make a lot of people, especially myself, very uncomfortable. Um, so I called her and told her that. Um, and then I believe it was like two weeks later, two or three weeks later, um, once again, they came into the Multicultural Student Center um, and basically talked to a trusted friend and comrade. And, uh, and they being the police. Uh, yeah, so sorry, they being the two women that came before the diversity and inclusion people for UPD, um, they came again to the Multicultural Student Center and they asked to talk to me and then a couple other student organizers on grounds. Um, so yeah, that's kind of also Chief Longo, a couple other police officers, like actual police officers, have uh, come into the Latinx um, Student Center here at the university in plain clothes. Not really like announcing who they were um, and talking to students and again that's made just a lot of people very uncomfortable that police officers are in these spaces. Yeah I mean I, I definitely would be too if, if you had police officers calling your phone asking you about you know political organizing it's 100% of their business. Mm -hmm. Ridiculous that you all be subject to that kind of surveillance um, and harassment. Mm -hmm. um, it sounds like you were visited I mean if I mean the call itself and then on top of that you you all were visited at least twice more so mm -hmm. it's been three times you've mm -hmm. been contacted and you've told me you want nothing to do with them so that's interesting and, and on top of that you, you have no obligation to mm -hmm. under the law to, to, exactly. to speak with police officers and um, yeah that's awesome that you didn't can you tell me what do you think their motivation is I mean you all haven't spoken to them at all um, you know what do you think that they're angling at considering that they're kind of being 
persistent mm -hmm. about this, it seems. Mm -hmm. Um, so again, I you know, I said I said this in the letter, um that again I think they're trying to at least like mask kind of these interactions as good faith attempts to build bridges with students. However, um, you know, after multiple times of not responding and saying no, I find it extremely difficult to believe that these are actually good faith attempts. I honestly think at the end of the day, it's just surveillance. Yeah. Um, I think that they are, again, I think that they see kind of the power that leftist organizing has had at this university. They see, of course, like YDSA. UVA is the largest um, YDSA chapter in the country. Like that's huge for any socialist organization. Um, Again, I think they see them. I think that they're, again, very curious and a little scared of what we're doing yeah. at the university. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I totally understand that. And, and you know, I mean, if you guys don't know, I mean, police officers are, as, if you ever read a police form board, I mean, these guys are always sunny in Philadelphia there. <laughs> they have their little lines yeah. everywhere. Uh, they cook up their own plots break up their own plots, believe in their own propaganda, and move from there. It, mm -hmm. it is really something to see that kind of insularity mm -hmm. in, in, a, in terms of policing. Uh, just really incredible. Um, I mean, that takes, that takes a lot of bravery to continue to lead the organization and continue to be on the, you know, the committee of the national organization. Mm -hmm. um, I, I commend you for that. That's, you. It, that's, that's incredible. That, that really is incredible. Um, and it's a real, it's a big reason why I wanted to talk to you. You are a, a huge inspiration to me. Thank you. It is, um, it's incredible uh, the kind of work that you guys have been doing up here, and the fact that you have the largest YSA chapter in the country. It's just, it boggles my mind. Um, so I, I mean, I had to come up to Charlottesville and, and and see what this thing was about. Um, so you know, it, and if we want to talk about a bit about Chief Lungo and about his record. Mm -hmm. So um, th there was definitely there was an Intercept article published a few years ago about the dragnet that he oversaw and instituted. Um, have there been any repercussions uh, for Chief Longo? Uh, any long term uh, questions? Um, any sort of investigations? I mean, students definitely do, and I'm not sh I'm not one hundred percent sure about like if there's been like internal kind of investigations about that. Um, but again, at the end of the day, he's still employed by this university. Um, so again, it obviously isn't bothering UVA happen that much. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Money talks. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Money shows you exactly what people's priorities are. And it's and it's a shame because again, I think that a lot of universities, you know, they're part of these communities, especially in Charlottesville. Like UVA is a part of the Charlottesville community, and you know, Chief Longo has caused a lot of serious harm. Um, and his racist policies have caused a lot of harm for a lot of black, you know, people here in Charlottesville. And I think that again, that's just, I think it's really sad that the university is still continuing to employ someone that's caused so much harm. Um, especially again, when the university, like we're a part of this community, you know, the people of Charlottesville, they, you know, like we, I think that the university is really just kind of like, I don't even know how to describe it. It's just like amazing that, again, as part of the Charlottesville community that they would employ someone that's caused so much harm. Right, right. 
And so you transferred here uh, in 2019, is that right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So um, what inspired you to come here? Um, so I applied to a couple schools. Um, and frankly, I like that it's so close, um, frankly, to uh, Richmond. VCU was just a little too close to home. I definitely wanted to like kind of spread my wings. Um, also, the history and Jewish studies department, which I'm currently I'm majoring in history, minoring in Jewish studies. It's a really good, they're both really awesome departments. Um, I love all my professors. And again, uh, UVA, it's just, it is a good school. You know, I'm not going to lie. It's a good school. It's like one of the best in the country. But, you know, I think that US, US what is it, US Today doesn't necessarily tell you all the like fine details when you're looking at schools. So, this university and uh, Virginia universities overall, there's so much more going on under the surface, mm -hmm. uh, especially with the Virginia Student Power Network. Mm -hmm. uh, can you tell me about your work with them? Yeah, so I, so first of all, the, I believe she's the director, Ibi Han, has like, she is like my inspiration. She was here, um, she was like one of the student protesters that protested basically the university's like, just inadequate response to the August 11th and August 12th, um, like neo-Nazi terrorist attacks um, here at the university. And again, there is, she's just been like, it's such an inspiration. And so I've like worked closely with her um, as well. And I've done like, it's really cool. VSPN does a lot of like cool, like trainings, like seminars um, for student organizers and like kind of like power building sessions, stuff like that. And so it's been really cool to just like learn and grow with um, like from them and yeah so that's kind of been my work. That's really cool yeah and so she's still leader of that organization? Mm -hmm. Awesome awesome. In light of this year when Joe Biden came into office mm -hmm. um, there were especially after January 6th uh, there was sort of a, a, an analysis ordered by the Biden administration at the Justice Department and what came out of the Justice Department was that uh, so-called leftist extremists or domestic extremists, people who would be considered anti-capitalist, uh, I, I imagine people like ourselves, mm -hmm. um, are considered among domestic extremists. I mean, on the same lines as people who stormed the Capitol on January 6th or the people who committed that you know, awful crime to Heather Heyer mm -hmm. um, just a few miles from here. Um, so, I mean, I, I guess what I'm getting at with that is, is how do you think that informs what you've been through, you know, this past year in terms of um, the surveillance that you've had from police, the harassment that you've had from mm -hmm. the police department? You know, just for that, like, that comparison in general, like, for the Biden administration to even say that, it's just kind of, like, ridiculous. Um, again, a lot of leftist organizers, um, you know, they've dedicated their lives to making this a better world um, and building a better world. Um, and so to say that, again, there's the left and leftist organizers have, like, even, like, could be on the same kind of, like, playing field as people that stormed the Capitol, I think is a little ridiculous. Um, even on a smaller scale, when people are, like, put the like left and the you know people on the like leftists and right wingers like on the same just like kind of playing field it's just again it's not a correct analysis to me at all I think it's a little like dishonest um so yeah and again I I think that 
just like as an organizer, when I think about those comparisons, it's just, again, a little ridiculous. Um, and the way that I see us like kind of combating that just like false propaganda um, is by like, again, organizing political education. Again, like the left, like it's deeply rooted in like, a lot of like our ideas are deeply rooted in the fact that like we want a better world, right? Um, and we see how capitalism has failed literally like entire generations, entire like groups of people. Um, so again, the only thing that we can do is organize. Yeah, yeah. So can you tell me about what's going on today and what your plans are in the future for YDSA, um, both on a national level, and, uh, but I guess we'll just start on university. So at the university, we're doing some really exciting things. We're actually running a campaign right now to better improve the psychological services here at the university, the mental health services. Um, again, I think that one thing out of the pandemic is that a lot of people are starting to like realize just how like poorly like the healthcare system really responds to mental health as well. Um, and the university again is like not exempt from that. Um, the even before the pandemic, the like kind of counseling services that we've had at the university, um, they haven't been great. A lot of times, like students can only have like six sessions like inside of CAPS. That's what we call our psychological and mental health services. Um, and then you're basically like, um, they'll try to like connect you with like a therapist or um, counselor in the area. Lots of times that just doesn't work for students. Um, again, depending on like your healthcare plan and stuff like that, like sometimes it can be really hard to find a counselor in Charlottesville because there's only like so many as well, right? Um, so yeah, so we're currently working on trying to get better resources funded to CAPS, um, also like more black and brown counselors in CAPS. Um, that's like one thing that a lot of students have like noticed that it's again, a lot of counselors aren't really um, equipped and trained to one, like really, I guess keep in mind to, you know, counsel students that are black and brown and that go through like trauma at the university and just some kind of like the wider, like being black in America. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of like what we're working on a bit. We're also working on like an eco-socialist um, working group as well, which we're really excited about. Um, they've been doing some exciting political education stuff. Um, so yeah, just again, trying to build our numbers, get organized. So, yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. That's really cool. Uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's really right. That's right. You are NCC co-chair. And so NCC stands for? So it's the National Coordinating Committee, so the NCC. Okay, and so what does the NCC do? What's your role there? Um, and also, you know, what are, insofar as you can reveal, what are sort of the moves that YDSA is making nationally? Yeah, so of course we're, you know, trying to basically like build up um, YDSA right now. Um, I believe there's like over 1,800 like actual YDSA members, I like dues paying members. There's about 95 like thousand DSA members. Um, that number could be outdated too. I feel like it might be closer to 100K at this point. Um, so again, we're just trying to build up that movement. We're also really like kind of like um, trying to focus more on like campus labor organizing this year and getting like not only students, but workers at the university, like at universities really like more involved um, and trying to get again, a kind of more of a strong labor movement um, so that's one thing we're working on. Of course, political education is always going to be huge and trying to 
not only put on political education events at the national level, but also like equip chapters to like put on like good political education events for their members and you know so that yeah and then we're right now we're doing the fall drive which is basically trying to get um, more chapters started across the country at different schools especially hbcus community colleges um etc and so yeah those are just like some of the things we're working on that's that's incredible that's really cool um i'm really glad ydsa is around and it's important work that you guys do so my next question is going to be about Charlottesville. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by Charlottesville is generally the way that the country knows Charlottesville mm -hmm. um, since that day in 2017. Um, I know you referenced earlier the August 11th and 12th uh, neo-Nazi terror attacks that happened here in Charlottesville. Um, you weren't attending the university at that time, mm -hmm. correct? Correct. Mm -hmm. um, tell me about those days um, when you know, you're, you're back in Richmond and you're seeing this. Mm -hmm. Tell me about your experience of that and what was going through your mind at that time. Mm -hmm. um, it was a little like just very shocking, I think probably for most people, especially because in 2017, um, I had like that, I guess that spring before I just graduated from high school. I had friends attending the university at that time, people about to start, I believe like when that happened, it was like the next week classes actually started at the university. So it was just like very, I think, shocking. I think I was still trying to like process it. Um, of course, I hadn't like come to kind of like my political, like, I guess, like my political, like, mind, like mindset and like framing and trying to, again, figure out my politics was still kind of works as well. So it was like, I didn't realize the fact that this was, you know, I think we saw Charlottesville, a lot of people saw Charlottesville and it was just like, oh my God, how could something like this happen? Um, but again, kind of like looking back on it now, it's definitely like a symptom rather than the disease, I think. Um, again, just, I mean, I think it's especially like just when Donald Trump was like elected, it just like empowered so many just, fascists, right? Like neo-Nazis to... Just, I mean, just outright right. fascists. Just yeah. reaction. I mean, they just skip, just mask right off. Right. I mean, it, it was, yeah, it was really incredible to see who, it's really, like, they, they came out, yeah. they showed up. They did. That's, that, that's, that's really incredible. Mm -hmm. But even, but even then, right, like, the universe, like, Richard Spencer, who was, like, the main leader for that Unite the Right rally, um, again, he went to UVA, right? Like he, there was people that like went to UVA at that rally. Um, <sighs> the Democrats. <laughs> oh, the Democrats. Man, what are we gonna do with these people? Yeah. Yeah. No, we got. Yeah, we got issues. We got problems. It was really cool speaking with you. Yeah, it was cool speaking with you too. I'm glad that you um, that you took time out for me. I hope this is not the last time we saw each other. Yeah. Um, sure. Uh, yeah, I look forward to uh, speaking with you some more. So thank yeah, you. Of course. Yeah.